Let me ask you. When was the last time that you heard from God? I mean, like, you literally, like, you hear people say, you know, God spoke to you. God spoke to me. Like, you heard from God, and some of you are like, really, God spoke to you? What was his voice like? You know, was it deep? Was it high? I don't know. Like, when was the last time, like, you had a word from God? You knew God spoke directly to you. You heard from him. Like, his voice. Like, you knew this is what he was saying to you. I can think of nothing more important in the days that we're living with the turbulence, the uncertainty, to have the certainty of hearing from God, of knowing that the unchanging, all-powerful creator of the universe who loves you and is for you and longs to speak to you, that you, you know his voice and you have heard from him so that you have clarity and direction. When's the last time? This morning, I want to simply ask and wrestle with this. How do you study the Bible? in a way that you actually hear from God. Many of us have learned maybe over the years how to study the Bible, but I want to talk about this morning, how do you study the Bible, not just for information, but for transformation? Where you walk away and you go, oh my Um, so my wife and I dated before we got married. Shocking, I know. And when we dated, it was long distance. Anybody do long distance? Yeah. So we did from Chicago to Cal Poly. Any Cal Poly grads? There's always a number of excited Cal Poly grads. Um, woo Go Mustangs. Um, and then when she graduated college, she went to Sweden for a year, and we dated long distance from Chicago to Sweden. Now, back in those days, meaning late 90s, early 2000s, we didn't have all the technology at our skill set. In fact, I remember this because I, I was like waiting to hear from Jenny talk about when's the last time I heard from Jenny, like before we were dating. She didn't have a personal computer, you know, in college. Can you think about that? And in college, like not having a laptop, not having a computer. She went to the computer lab. Remember those things? Archaic, I know. Um, and went to the computer lab to write emails. So I'd wait months or even a month to hear back from Jenny because she was off doing college things. And then she would finally go, oh, I got an email. Write it back. And, and so here's the deal. We didn't have the same technology, the same things that we have today, like FaceTime and Snapchat and Instagram and all those sort of things. And so what I have in my possession is a very sacred box. This box represents so much more than the shoe box that it is. It re represents a season of our life. It is filled with sacred writings. In fact, some of these you've never seen before, so you don't know what they are. See, this is what we call a letter. 
back in the day before you would actually handwrite a letter to one another and you'd put postage on it. I know, archaic, crazy. And then you would put it in the mail and send it to someone else. And then she sent me this one. I love this one with these kids kissing. Isn't that cute? And then writes this sweet note. I love this picture on this card. I just want to let you know that you're extremely appreciated. And I'm like, oh, all right. Thank you. I'm appreciated. I'm thankful to be dating a guy who loves the Lord so much. I'm like, wow. You One of the things I was so impressed, I, I didn't realize how many times my wife, pre-dating, like, talked about Jesus in these letters. Uh, I was actually going to spend a lot more time preparing this morning. I've prepared, don't worry. But I got, I got so caught up in looking at this box because it brought me back to a moment because this box is more than a box. It tells a story. It tells the story of our relationship. Uh, here's another thing that you probably don't recognize. Um, where is it? You ever seen something like this before? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a day when it cost you money to take pictures of your food. Remember that? Remember when you, it, there was a day when you didn't know, by the way, you didn't know if it was a good picture or not. And, and you took pictures sparingly. And so this is pictures that we sent in. And what, I just think this is funny. Why I have a picture of a llama or a camel? I don't know. I guess we went to a zoo together. And that I don't really remember that. Jenny will tell me later. Um, but then I have these pictures of her. She's going to kill me for showing you these. Um, but these are pictures telling the story. Here's a nice one. Oh, this is cute with us on a bus in Sweden together. Isn't that cute? Isn't that nice? Yeah. And by the way, I was really insecure about my smile. So you notice if you ever look at them, all my smiles growing up, no smile. All my pictures, no smiles because I was like, I got a funky smile. Anyways, and then she would do this because we're long distance. She put a photo album together and wrote notes. I love this one. This is one where we were in Chicago together, and she was at work, and just on the back of a, I still have this. I mean, this is, you know, some of you got a pastry today in one of these bags, and I have a bag, but this bag means so much more than the Starbucks bag that it is. It's Mr. Ryan Ingram. Hey, that's me. And then it says, how I love thee. Oh, let me count the ways. And then literally it's just one, two, three, 25. Here's what I love. This box has so many different pieces in here that tells the story of our relationship, that tells the story of our love relationship. This is way more than just simply letters. Now, if you're a historian, you can maybe go back and look at this and go, you know what, we could study how those in the late 90s, early 2000s dated. Let's take a look at this and begin to examine, well, what was the dating practices of those in the late 90s, early 2000s? Because it's changed so much over the years with technology and Snapchat and Instagram and whatever else that's out there. And so what was this? Oh, my goodness, the photos. Wow, how archaic. <laughs> Letters, couldn't they text? No, we actually both, neither of us had... Cell phones at the time, crazy. Um, you could study, you could study letter writing. Oh, interesting. Look at this fragment. This is a fragment that we found, and it's a fragment telling me about people in Sweden are very into licorice flavored everything. Interesting. Now I know a little bit more culturally of the world, and I'm beginning to study all these sort of things. And if and you could do all that, 
and you would have some certainty that that is true, and yet you would miss the point, wouldn't you? Because the point of this box isn't to know about dating or practices. The point of this box is to reveal a love relationship. Now, I know you already know where I'm going with this, so let's not pretend. You can study this book. You can get into the fine details of the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic. You can study the culture upon which it is written. You can understand how uh, the different levels of thought and practices of the ancient Near East, the manuscript data, and you can do all of that and miss the point. See, here's the, here's the heart of it. We don't study the Bible to learn more about the Bible. We study the Bible to learn, to know, and love God through the Bible. We, we don't study the Bible. This is not the end of itself. The box is not the end of itself. This box represents a living, ongoing, dynamic relationship. And by the way, this box is going to have some really cool implications for my kids as they learn about their parents' relationships and forms their relationship. And they're going to see one picture of us like, we took a couple, this is really embarrassing. I didn't tell Jenny this. Um, I saw, found ones where we took pictures of us in our dating where we were just kissing, like, I know, stupid, silly. I look back and I'm like, we're so silly, but why did we do that? Because we're in love and we wanted to capture it. And it tells that story. And so I want to talk with you of, okay, how do we move beyond this being something that you study for information, but where you engage and you hear from God? Where it's more than a book, but it, by which it, you come to know and love God and experience Him for yourself. And so, how do we study the Bible in a way that we really hear from God? And the first way that we do this is something is really kind of unpacked in this whole picture that I uh, talked about, okay, uh, built up, but, but also what we talked about last week is read the Bible as the story of God. Read the Bible as the story. If you look at this and break this apart and make it all into its fragments, there's 66 books in this. Really, literally, there's different components, different liter literature in here. There's letters. It's just like this. There's all sorts of different pieces in here. There's some cards. There's some pictures. Uh, there's some... Some of just about everything, but it all tells one story of our relationship. This all tells one story. Last week we talked about it, the story of God in five acts throughout time and history. Now this changes the way you understand the Bible. Let me give you a picture of how this impacts the way you read his word. Because so oftentimes when we think of the Bible, a lot of times we think of it as a rule book. We think of it as a law book. We think of it as a list of do's and don'ts. Sometimes we look at it as a self-help book like we talked about last week. Maybe a reference book. Well, I need a little bit of this, so I'm going to go to here. But notice how, what happens when you fundamentally approach the Bible as the story and the story of God. Uh, I remember 
how this changed when we had our first kid. So my daughter, Ella, she's turning 12 this September. And I remember 12 years ago having her and my world flipping upside down and realizing why God used so often the illustration of being a father. Because all of a sudden, when I realized this is the father's heart and the father's note to his kids, whoa, that changes because when you think about the law, you think about the rule book, you think about do's and don'ts, so oftentimes growing up, what I thought these were were prohibitions to keep me from fun. Everyone out there is having fun. Everyone's doing this, and I don't get to, and God's a fuddy-duddy trying to keep me from having fun. He's just a mean, angry, grumpy old man. You probably never thought that, but I did. And so I'm looking at that, and then all of a sudden I had a little girl, a little precious little girl. I remember she was two years old. She ran into the dining room through the kitchen and she had a pair of scissors in her hand and she's running, daddy, daddy, daddy. And she's running with these scissors right by her eye, right by her eye. You know, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, no, I'm trying not to yell because you don't want it, but I am yelling because I'm freaked out. I don't want her to be maimed for the rest of her life and walking out one-eyed and everyone calls her one-eyed Ella. Um, And you know, and so then I'm like, no. And so, so I take the scissors from her. And you know what she did? She cried. You know why? Because I took fun from her. Because I'm mean daddy. And I don't want her to have any fun and do anything that is at all exciting. That's sometimes our perception of God, isn't it? And yet, I realize every single command... In God's word, this is that moment was such a revelation to me. Every single command in the word of God is actually an I love you from your heavenly father to you. Amen. Wouldn't it change the way you begin to read? If you read it, this is the story of our heavenly father's love to you. And he began to look at it and said, oh, commands, they're not to keep me from fun. They're to guard me from pain. He, he loves you so much. He wants what's best for you. And so he's going to say there's some things that if you travel down that road, it will cause you great harm and great pain. And when you begin to approach this book, not as a rule book, not as a law book, not as even self-help, but this is God's story. It changes the way you read it and it changes the way you engage with it. And you see why the psalmist can say, I delight in your law. You ever wondered how they said that? Ever wonder where uh, day and night I meditate on your words and your law and they bring such joy and life? You're like, really? Huh. Because it's the Heavenly Father's love book. His story to you. So much more than just a book. We study the Bible to know and love God through it. Second way of studying the Bible to really hearing from him, is then read the Bible with the Spirit of God. Read the Bible with the Spirit of God. If it's the story of God, and then what the Bible teaches us is that the minute you place your faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God then comes and indwells in you. In fact, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives and dwells in you. You are empowered by the Spirit of God to live a victorious life, and yet far too many followers of Jesus are living weak, frail, defeated lives because they're not walking, as Paul would say, in step with the Spirit. That you would just begin to go, okay, when you get into God's word, just do this. Simple. Holy Spirit, would you fill me afresh and speak to me? 
What, just stop there. Honest confession. Holy Spirit. Would you fill me afresh? I just want to be aware of you. And the Spirit of God's, uh, Jesus called him the paraclete or the counselor or the comforter, the, the one who comes alongside. He, he said this, that the, that the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth, that, that you'll literally have wisdom and discernment from the Spirit of God. He wants to speak to you, not just like, a, like vague things, that you get a specific word from God through his word. And you just go, Holy Spirit. And before I start, I long to hear from you. Would you give me your eyes, your ears, your heart? Would you speak to me? By the way, he does. Now, James said this. Remember, because a lot of times we go to the Bible for wisdom. We go to the Bible for answers. We go, he said, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all, right? Without finding fault. Remember that? And then he says this, and this is such a hard thing. We've wrestled with this. I'm sure you've wrestled with it, you know. But when he asks, he should believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a double-minded man uh, tossed to and fro from the ways. That person shouldn't expect to get anything from God. Oh, good grief. So I got to ask, but I got to believe and not doubt. What in the world? How do I do that? And now here's the thing. Oftentimes when we come to God, we come to him like a best friend. And not like God. Where we want their advice if we like it. But if we don't really like it, then we'll dismiss it. Right? Come, yeah, come on. You're with me. No, I know you're with me because you've done it. I've done it. Okay. No. When you come to God, the Spirit of God, the response, how, how do you ask? God, whatever you show me, I'll do. When you come with that prayer, he'll show you 100% of the time. God, I need wisdom in this area. I need wisdom with this relationship. I need wisdom with my anger issue. I need wisdom. Spirit of God, would you come and would you speak to me? And then whatever you show me, I'll do. He says, I'll show you 100% of the time. Most of the times, we don't want to do what he shows us. And as a result, we're not walking in step with the Spirit, experiencing the power of him in our lives. And wonder, wonder, why haven't I heard from God? Wonder, what's going on? So, to study the Bible in a way, you actually hear from God. Read the Bible, a story. Read the Bible with the Spirit of God. And then read the Bible in community. Read the Bible in the community of God. We've so made quiet time or time without such an individual sport that we've missed out on what it means to be the community of God. Missed out on sharing with one another what God's doing in our lives, of encouraging. He says, as long as it's called today, encourage one another daily. It's today. Encourage. How do you encourage? Speaking psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, the Bible says. Well, am I going to sing to you? I don't know. If you have a good voice, that'd be fantastic. We'll let Michelle sing to us, certainly. What's encouraging you? Where are you hearing from God? Could it be that what you're hearing from God, and as you share it with someone else, could be what they need to hear from God? God wanted to use you. Imagine that. See, read the Bible in community. 
When you get into God's word, ask this question at the end. Who can I tell? One of the questions I love to ask people, if you hang out with me for a little bit, especially new, is what are you learning? What, what, do you, what is God speaking to you lately? Where do you see him working? And sometimes, you've got to be honest, for me, I don't even know the answer to that question. And that gives me a good pause. I'm like, oh, I haven't thought about that. But, but in community, where you go, okay, who can I tell? Now, let me speak just to new or newer believers. I just want to give you a little charge, and then I'll get to the mature believers. If you're a newer believer, and we're talking about the Bible, and especially community, we've done you some disservice. Because this is actually really intimidating. And you're like in a small group, and someone's talking about, well, John says this, but Paul says this. And you're going, who's John? Who's Paul? And when did they say this? And then they're like, Ecclesiastes 10, 10. Ecclesiastes, what in the world? Now we're speaking in tongues, right? What did I get myself into? And what happens often as a new believer and as a newer follower of Jesus, I've had these conversations as you stay silent. And you wonder and you wrestle, but what do you do is you feel like, I don't know and I can't know and I'm just going to be quiet because I feel like I should know. And here's my charge to you. Ask questions. In community, ask questions. We had someone in our missional community this last year who, who was asked questions all the time. And it didn't make our group bad, it made it better. Because chances are the question you have, someone else is wrestling with too, and they never had the courage to ask it. Would you ask questions? That's how you grow. Ask questions. Go, I don't know. That's a sign of humility. God opposes the proud. He's close to the humble. He raises them up. Ask questions. Now, mature believers, here's my charge to you. Go deeper. There's something insidious that happens that when we come to a passage that we've heard before, that we've studied before, or you hear me or someone else preach on something that you know, like how to study the Bible, been there, done that, have the badge, you know what we do? Feel like we've arrived. And because we've arrived, we do not learn afresh or hear from God. Go deeper. You know that you can study the same passage for an entire lifetime, every single day, and God can say something absolutely brand new to you every single day. Do not underestimate the living words of God to you, that you would come with it with complacency. You would come with it with the audacity to say, no, I've been there, done that. No, 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 no. This is, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And you go, this is his living word. Where you go, this is, I've heard it before, but he wants to speak something fresh to me. I've been there before, but I'm in a new season. And he's going to speak to me. Where you would go, I'm going to go deeper. I haven't arrived yes, yet. And that we would read the Bible in community. That we would talk about what we're learning. Wouldn't it be amazing that if we were a community and we just talked about what we were learning? That if you went to lunch afterwards, you took someone out that you don't even know. And he said, what are you learning? What is God speaking to you? You wonder and wrestle with, I have shallow relationships. It's because we ask shallow questions. You want to have deeper relationships, ask better questions. Sand in my story. 
Read the Bible as the story of God. Read the Bible, listen, with the Spirit of God. Invite Him to speak to you. Read the Bible in the community of God. And then finally, read the Bible to apply it. Please, for some, the simplicity of this message, don't miss the power behind it. Sometimes we think, oh, I, I know that, and dismiss it. Listen to what James, the brother of Jesus, said. He said this. Do not merely listen to the word. And so, and any of you know what comes next after so? I didn't put it on the screen. This is Bible trivia time. And so what? Anybody? Yes, thank you. Deceive yourself. Now listen. For some, you can hear God's word, but if you don't do what God's word says, ultimately you are going to deceive yourself. You can live in self-deception. We've all met plenty of people who do. (laughs) And we wonder, how do they keep living that way? Don't they know? Of course they know. They've just pushed it down. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Here's what it says. Do what it says. It gives a picture. Anyone who listens to the word of God uh, but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Ever been there? Done that? Yep. Some of you looking at me today going, you did. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom Remember week one, what we said? That the Bible, God's word, is the foundation for you and for me to experience true freedom in life. And continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Please, when you get into God's word, don't leave there until you hear from God what he wants you to do. You ask, what do I do with what he's saying? Sometimes it may just be he wants you to enjoy more. He he wants you to simply rest in your belovedness as a daughter or as a son of the King Most High. He wants you to know that he's in control and you don't need to worry anymore. And so you rest and you are anxious less. Because God is on the throne. For some, sometimes he's saying, you know what? There's an issue. There's a conversation. But you go, okay, God, I want to hear from you, but I want to do whatever you say. Meeting with God, studying his word in a way that allows you to actually not just study his word, but actually get to know and love God. It begins with looking at this as a story, the very story of God. It is not just a bunch of random writings. It, it unpacks so much more that's way beyond that. With his spirit, in his community, and then you go, I'm going to do it. Now let me give you two specific practices to do this. Because we're not going to talk about this and then not do it. We want to be a community that knows 
and loves God and then loves our world the way Jesus has loved our world. That's the calling of every follower of Jesus. So let me give you two practices. They're ancient, been done throughout the centuries of the church. The first practice to get into God's word for yourself is the practice of meditation. Meditating on the word of God. Meditation is for transformation. This is meeting with God in such a way that it changes you and aligns your heart, aligns your will, aligns your thinking with God's. The psalmist said it this way, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners, uh, um, sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. And some of you feel very uprooted in life right now. Well, if you feel that way, begin to meditate, begin to get in to God's word, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. See, meditation, meditating on God's word is not about content digestion. It is about communion with God. It's about getting deeply connected with him. You've probably heard the old illustration around meditation about the cow and eating. No, some of you, yeah, you have, okay. So here, this is the picture of meditation because meditation slows us down. That you think, that you ponder, that you stay with the particular passage for a long time. Some people do this, even one passage for a whole year, one passage for a week, one verse for a day, but they constantly chew on it. Now, a cow has four chambers in their stomach. And so they eat some grass, chew it up, digest it down into one chamber, and then what do they do? They regurgitate it right back up, chew on it some more, and then it down goes to another chamber, and then right back up, chew on it some more, goes down, third chamber, right, right, I mean, you're with me. And that's literally the picture for meditation on God's word, meditating on his word. I know it's lovely, right? You're totally inspired. You're like, well, lunch? I don't think so. Um, Pass. Where you chew on God's word, where you sit with it, where you take a particular passage and you just dwell on it to the point where you allow God to speak. You let the RPMs of your soul slow down so you can hear from him. One particular practice of this is called Lectio Divina. We're going to do this at the end of the sermon so that we know how to do it. If meditation is for transformation, then the second practice is memorization. Memorization is for preparation. Now, I know some of you don't like memorization. Some of you hate memorization. Some of you say, I can't memorize. It's not true. Now, some of us are far better at memorization than others, but the people that I know that hate memorization can memorize stats of a baseball team. It's weird. People who can't memorize anything know everything about the bachelorette. It's crazy, right? You have memorized multiple things in your life. Memorization is a muscle to be flexed or to be worked and a skill to be learned. And so memorization is for preparation. Uh, And this is so helpful because sometimes you memorize stuff and you go, I didn't really get anything about memorizing because you're memorizing something for this moment for God to use later. 
So that the Spirit of God can bring it to mind in a time of need. That you go, I'm going to memorize this passage because I know my natural bent is towards anger. And so I'm going to memorize, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So the minute that person responds, I'm going to go, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires. The Spirit of God will bring it to you in that moment. That you would be prepared for the moments ahead. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but the one who sins sexually sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of God, the Spirit of God who is in you? Yeah, man, we're having a great night. Everything's going great. And all of a sudden, oh, warning sign. Flee. I'm running. And some of you are not prepared for the moment. And that you would put to memorization God's word. In fact, I love how the psalmist said it. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. Now here, listen to this. I have hidden your word in my heart. You know, in the Jewish culture, um, kids 12 and under would have the entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible, memorized. 12 years of age. I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. That something coming later, I won't fall into. Memorization is for preparation. Memorization is the fertile soil that the Spirit of God uses like a seed planted that will produce its fruit in its proper time. That you would hide God's word into your how do you study the Bible in a way that you actually hear from God? Well, first your approach, story, with the Spirit of God and the community of God. You go, I'm, I'm not leaving here until, okay, what do I do? How do I apply it? Two practices. Meditation, memorization. So I simply want to apply it. We can't just talk about it. Let's apply it. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love passage. Read in weddings. And I can think of no greater verse for a follower of Jesus today to read and how to respond in the times that we're living. And so I want to practice what we're talking about and meditate on it and do the practice of Lectio Divina. And so I'm simply going to read this slowly three times, give you a couple kind of directions in between and allow just simply God to speak to you through his word. And then I'm going to ask you to memorize the second half of this this week. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not proud. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That you would memorize that and see what God does in your life. Okay? So take a second. Sit back. Take a deep breath. You can close your eyes if you want. Don't have to. Relax. I'm simply going to read his word to you. Let your soul settle. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, 
I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Before I read it again, would you in your heart just simply invite the Spirit of God to speak to you? What does he want to say to you in this moment? Maybe it's a word of encouragement, word of life. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. As I read it a third and final time, Would you invite God to show you what he wants you to do? There might be a conversation that needs to be had, an attitude he wants to address. Might be something at work or at home. Just might be between you and him. What do you want me to do, God, with what I've just heard from you? If I speak... In the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always 
perseveres. This is the word of God to you. God, I pray that each person in this room will have heard clearly from you that you will give them the wisdom to know exactly what to do with it and then the courage to do no matter how hard. In Jesus' name, amen. And you stand and we'll close. We study the Bible, not to know the Bible, but to know and love God through the Bible. Next week, there's lots of questions that comes with studying the Bible. And I'm bringing in a friend and scholar, Dr. Charlie Self, and we're going to do some Q&A. And so bring your questions, bring some friends. It will be a great time. Uh, For some, this morning, you need prayer. And I invite you to come forward. Maybe you're even wrestling spiritually with God. Come forward. You have questions. We talked about that. Come forward and come get prayer. Don't miss this moment with him. And then here's we want to apply it. As you go from this place, would you tell someone what God's been saying to you, what you've been learning? Maybe ask that question. What are you learning? What is God saying to you? And just begin to share. And it might feel a little awkward at first. That's okay. That's okay. And you just begin to learn how to dive in and study God's word as a community. May you know how greatly you're loved. That all that was read is God's response to you. And then may you go and love well because you've been so well loved. In Jesus' name, amen.